Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. The easiest thing to do is to just be upfront about what's going on. I understand that you don't think we've done a good job. Let me just listen to you. And then let me explain that, yeah, we weren't prepared for this and we said we were. You know, I apologize. What can we do now? Clients are, are like, whoa. Hey everybody, in this episode of Your Finest Hour, Chris North and I, Dan LaFalar, interview Lucas Balassi. We talk about a ton of different things. Lucas is a CXO at Barrel, an agency in New York City, incredible agency that works with very prestigious clients. But we talk about everything. This guy is a, a power lifter, an artist. Um, a songwriter, a husband, and a leader of people. And so we talk about a lot of different things ranging from how powerlifting influences leadership to what communication and courage look like wrapped together to learning how to listen to the clients that you work with and not turn on them as we can sometimes often feel the need to when things get tough. We hope you really enjoy the show and it was a fun conversation. I think you're going to get some real value out of it. So we're so excited to have Lucas on the podcast with his coach, Chris. Um, welcome, guys, to the show. Thanks. Yeah, welcome. So, Chris, I've heard a little bit about Lucas from you, but very briefly. So I went online and I started looking at your website, Lucas, which is full of incredible things. Like, you, you, you're, you're prolific. Like, you, you create a lot of content, obviously, because you're a creator. Can you tell us just a little bit about your background? Because it's, it's very eclectic, but there was one theme that runs through all of it, and it's the theme of creativity. That's what I've just noticed when I was looking through your, your bio. So t- can you talk to us just about like where you come from and how you got to where you are here? Yeah, for sure. So I'll start just because of the, the music thing. So w- when I was younger, really found graphic design through playing music. I was doing a lot of performing, probably like my first talent show when I was like 13 and realized this is something I can do. So really went after that pretty hard and in the process learned how to... You know, I look back at that time now actually and realize it was a very entrepreneurial thing trying to figure out how to sell music, you know, make artwork and, you know, get my name out there, MySpace at the time. You know, some point along the line, my next door neighbor actually is a designer or was a designer. And she told me about graphic design. And I was like, oh, this is a thing that I could do. So I went after that, went to college for for design, got out of college. And I think really, you know, looking back was very motivated by having health insurance, having the right salary, I'm going to New York, like I need to make sure I can live and, and figuring all of that out. Um, took a job in interior design, doing some graphic design work and quickly realized like not what I want to be doing. And <clears throat> through that process, found Barrel. It was a freelance job, all the things that were not safe. I was, I was very concerned, but seemed very cool. Took the freelance job and then started about a month in, you know, learned that I'd be going full time and I've been there for almost nine years. So, you know, looking back, I think really just you mentioned the art teacher thing. I did some TAing in college. That's where I met my wife. Through my time at Barrel, I've just realized that I have a passion for really just, you know, working with others, mentoring and, you know, that the manager side of, of what you do in the business. And so really have kind of taken that to heart and looked for opportunities to do more and more of that in my day to day. Okay, so that's that's fantastic. So what's your title at Barrel? And I pretend I know nothing about Barrel. So what's your title at Barrel? What the heck does Barrel do? Yeah, so my title right now is CXO, Chief Experience Officer. So I oversee client services, um, our creative team, 
and work closely with them to really build out these experiences for clients. We work with direct-to-consumer businesses and really working with them to help them grow that offering online, particularly through their website. That was very succinct. So thank you for like, boom, you just got through a lot of... like. I was hoping I could, yeah. <laughs> over 300 years of history just boiled <laughs> down into five minutes. I'm really excited to talk to you about creativity, particularly because as someone who appreciates creativity, cre- appreciates... I would say like people on the front end of the, you know, the curve and early adopters. My guess is you might fall into that camp. I don't know if that's true, but I, I want to bring Chris in a little bit. Can you just tell us like what are some of the things that you noticed about Lucas when you met him and some of the things that maybe drew drew you guys to each other when you guys first met? So we met originally because we did a we did a training and back in the uh I'm saying back in the COVID days. Um, I know. <laughs> it's just, I'm just, just for me. I'm just saying that just it's, for myself. It's over, my own, people. You heard it. Your my own psyche. Over. And now we know how tall we e- each other is. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Season. So yeah. we have actually we met in person actually for the very first time this last weekend. As a matter of fact, Lucas was in New York, so I got to hang out with him and his wife for about was what was supposed to be an hour turned into about three and a half. So which is probably what's going to happen on this podcast. Totally. It's just going to extend. Well. I- I just want to put a fork in what you just said. This is just a side note. Like how many people are listening right now, met somebody via Zoom and had no idea how tall they were and then showed up to a meeting. <laughs> That's the key thing, yeah. And we're like, what the heck? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'll, I'll, have, I'll have everybody know I am much, much taller than everyone expects. That's definitely not um, true. <laughs> Damn! Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So we met, yeah, we did a, uh, we did a training for Barrel. I guess it was... It, I believe it was 2021 and we we were all on Zoom and I think what stood out to me the most was and and this is indicative of the of the entire team the entire leadership team I think but their willingness to participate fully so when we jump into a training one of the first things that we talk about is participation and how to get the most value out of anything so we're you know sitting in a room full of people if it's a Zoom room or live room and one of the first things that we talk about is how to create value in that room and what stood out to me the most, and we were talking about this afterwards with the trainers going like, these guys are here. They're very present. They're very ready. And, and uh, we'd actually met before we did the training, we'd met with the entire team. Lucas, that was where we, I think we first uh, were introduced was bring the entire team in. And the, I don't know if there's a word for it, but the, the synergy, I guess is probably what I'll say, among the four of you at Barrel was just so exciting to watch on our side. The way that you guys treat each other with respect, the way that you weren't afraid to talk to one another, uh, there wasn't a lot of like uh, posturing or talking over one another. This, these are things that, that I noticed pretty quickly about the entire Barrel team. There was, there was just a lot of productivity. Our conversation, even before we engaged in a contract, the conversations among the leadership team were really, really productive and respectful. And you don't see that all the time. <laughs> there's, there's sometimes somebody... You can tell that, that there's somebody in the room who's holding back and somebody clearly has the, uh, the seniority or whatever you want to call that. And it was just really apparent to me that these guys really care about each other as humans. And they really cared about their team and about their staff and about their clients in a way that was just... It was just highlighted for me. And so that was my first impression going into this. And then we, we jumped into the training and, and it really was true. I mean, these guys all showed up and the entire team really, but the leadership team really showed up with curiosity and with just a posture of learning, and which I think is really rare for 
It can be well, rare. Well, no, we, we've all been <laughs> all in right. meetings. It can be rare. We've, we've all been or, in meetings where like, you know, you could tell everyone's or a training or a leadership development thing and people are there and they're sitting back and they're kind of, their arms are crossed and they're like, okay, dance for me, show me, impress me. I, I, won't, <laughs> yes. I won't even ask a question <laughs> unless you, you, you make me smile sort of energy. And it sounds like barrels was the opposite. It was like, we're here to create. We really want to lean in. That's right. It really was. And I wish some of the other trainers that were part of that, Amanda and Janet, and some of the others were, were on the call here too, to, mm. to share their experience of that. Because we shared, you know, privately behind closed doors, and we'd, we'd go off and go like, they are just amazing. <laughs> they, they really, they engage and they, and there's a level of curiosity that I think with a lot of companies that are so successful for so long, that spirit will sometimes be brought into a coaching space or into a, a professional space in a way that that if we're like showing up in in certain contexts in that where it can be different. And and I think this is just my posture. So certainly some of the other people who maybe weren't as familiar stepping into to going before we knew all of you guys going, okay, we're going to, here's a, a very successful agency in lower Manhattan with a bunch of like people who really know their stuff. They're extremely smart. And they're like, and frankly, it's, it's a lot of time to, to take out of the day away from clients, away from emails, away from to step into a space of, of training and coaching. And, and so, and we understand that. And I think that that was what was just really delightful with you guys was that we didn't get that push That's that great. maybe I was expecting. It was really, it was really enjoyable. So. And so Lucas, is that, is, is everything he just said true or is it, is it total crap? Oh, total crap. <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, it was. I was uh, reading my script here, guys. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you threw, yeah. I'm like, wait, you weren't supposed to say that, Chris. <laughs> no, it, you know, I think it, it's cool to hear what the the coaches felt, and I think we had some honest conversations about that later, which were were really exciting for us. I think from our perspective, the partners we've been working together for so long, especially in all of our roles have evolved, and it's funny, Chris. Two days ago would have been the year anniversary of that first session. So it's almost, it's exactly a year. Um, and, you know, we, we do a lot of things together in terms of personal growth. We read a lot of, we read books together every quarter, we reflect on the books and, you know, we talk to each other about the vision for the future. And so we have a lot of these things that were part of our DNA already. And for this coaching, it was really about, hey, like, how can we level up and what are we missing? And so I think when we came to those sessions. And we were like, how do we share this with the team? So when we came to those sessions, it was very much what Chris was picking up on, which is, hey, like, we don't know what this is about. I had met some coaches in the past, and I think some of the partners had. And I had been curious personally, just like, oh, what what would what, what does a coach do, you know, in this space? And so we did come to that session kind of like, what are we, what is this all about? And it's interesting, we had read in everyone culture, we were just wrapping it up before great book before the sessions began, and it was like our quarterly reading. And we purposely did it because I think it was recommended <clears throat> from someone at Novus of, hey, this is a great book that kind of touches on you know the things that we talk about. And for us, that was really cool because we came already prepared with some of these concepts and ideas, which I think allowed us to kind of step into them a bit more and be able to, to kind of live with those with the team. You said something um, earlier in what you just shared, which was really interesting to me. So you said... First of all, great shout out to everyone, everyone culture. If you haven't read that book, it'll scare you, 
but it's mm-hmm. a great book when it comes to leadership. Like, this like, isn't real. <laughs> yeah, this can't be true. Yeah. And then you read it and then you learn about these companies. You're like, oh, wow. You read Principles by Ray Dalio or something. And you're like, they actually do this stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going back. I'm about to reposition a meeting with our managers. And I, I went back to the book to pull some ideas out. I mean, it, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Good inspiration. The, the piece that was really sticking out to me early in what you said was we had a culture or it sounded like you said it was in your DNA, this idea of reading together, developing yourselves. I, I'm curious, like, where did that come from? Was that an intentional choice or was that... Because I, I think there's a lot of organizations that do not value that. And I think that's what makes Barrel maybe a little interesting. Before I was a partner, we had integrated uh, something called EOS, which is essentially, if you're familiar, anyone listening, a way of essentially operating as a team, the part that, well, the entire team, but particularly leadership on really having these conversations every week, every quarter, and really thinking about the future. And so when that was integrated, it, it immediately got this partner team talking all the time. We meet on Wednesdays and for our Pulse meeting. And so we already had this touch point, which I think we felt like was natural, but then you meet other agencies and you realize like they're not talking. They don't do that. Yeah, Yeah. we're like, wow. And it's amazing how much we miss. And we're like, oh, wow. We talk all the time and we're still missing a lot of stuff. So what I think our CEO, Peter, you know, really brought to us was this idea of, hey, we have these touch points. Like, how do we continue to level up? He's always um, set the agenda for those meetings. We give feedback. And so, you know, through that, we started reading together. And, you know, I think for us, it was like first having the structure. And this goes with most things, right? Like, if you have the system, then you can improve upon it. But if there's no system, then nothing ever happens and you keep pushing and then, you know, we don't get anywhere. So we had this system. We started reading these books together. And, you know, from there, it was really how do we, and you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking about now, it was actually a way of bringing coaching into the space for years before we had a coach, which is read these books, get another perspective decide what you want to do with it, right? And so we'd read these books, we'd come prepared, and we'd all, you know, share ideas and reflect on those on those things. I think the disconnect, you know, has always been, and I've seen this change since coaching, is we started to then go, okay, cool, what kind of workshops can we do with the team? Let's bring in outside, you know, people to do kind of sessions. One big one was one we had probably about two or three years ago about diversity and design and how to think about everyone you're designing for. And it's like, it's cool, but then what do you do with it after? And so we were having all these conversations and trying to create a really strong you know, sense of leadership within the company, but not everyone's exposed to those conversations. And we try to integrate them into the culture of the entire team. Um, and so I think in many ways, this team session with Novus was, how do we kind of get everyone on board with some of these ideas? How do we introduce other people to these concepts and then see what, what comes of it. And you, you pointed a, an interesting distinction out that I think is pretty important to understand. And actually, I want to hear Chris, Chris, I'm going to put Chris on the spot, but the difference between insight versus action, because I think something that we spend a lot of time in our organization, when we step into supporting and standing with other companies and individuals is to help them bridge that gap, which seems to be massive in our just in our culture. So Chris, like, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. I do. Well, actually, we do the training and then we obviously do subsequent coaching afterwards with key members of the team. And that's pretty normal for us. There was a point where, Lucas, you guys came to us and you said, hey, and this is why we do this. We build in, you know, every four to eight weeks or so, we'll build in. Are we on track? How are we doing? And you guys came and, and, and said, hey, we really want 
more of the personal growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So there's like the the goal coaching and then there's soul coaching. Those distinctions we've probably said on the podcast a thousand times. And we were really coming and saying, you guys came and and so in our sessions, we're talking a lot about the the what are we going to do and by when and talking so much about the action. And you guys really gave us, you opened a door for us that we love that usually we don't get to with companies very quickly. <laughs> and you guys really gave us the opportunity to come in and say, hey, we want to talk about some of the deeper insights of how yeah. people might be getting in their way in the company, how communication might be breaking down, how people are thinking and like identifying thought patterns that are getting in the way of what they actually want or say they want. All of those, like all of that, like slower, more intentional coaching that creates the um, the insights. You guys opened a door for us to do that. And then we came back and we pivoted in on internally and going like, hey, these guys are are moving faster and sharper than than a lot of like this, the fundamentals have been laid. And now it's fun to, to see like a little behind the scenes of like what momentum we actually were stepping into. And that's been really, really fun. And so that piece was really helpful for us so we could start to talk a lot about insights and then knowing that you guys put them into action really, really well and quickly. And so, yeah, I mean, anytime there's insight, I think in the training, you know, it's like we spent two days together or with you guys, it was four, you know, broke up because Zoom fatigue is real. And it's great. So we have all of this insight. And now what do we do with it? And that's where the next week we jump in and we say, okay, what stood out last week and what are we going to do about it now? And, and, and the big piece here is, are we all aligned? Because we don't want just everybody running off in individual directions and disjointed when we're in a, in a company environment. So It sounds like, and Lucas, correct me if I'm wrong, it just sounds like Barrel has a, a commitment or a leaning into action Maybe more so that, and maybe that's a, is, I don't know if that's a cultural thing or a New York thing or, but I, it sounds like it, cause I meet a lot of people in, in our work. I meet a lot of people who are tickled by the insight. Oh, I learned something new, think they've changed and don't do anything different. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd like to think so. I think it's funny. I had a great conversation with someone yesterday about flagging on projects. You know, you can flag it, but like, cool. <laughs> when you when you when you look, when you when you look back right and you say hey i flagged it like what well, it, it nothing changed right and so i think yeah. i would say we're always working to get there i think for us what was interesting was we did coaching we did this whole this whole session right with the entire team and then we had our team leads which are essentially like either managers or or um, kind of pivotal leadership roles within a discipline and then we had ourselves the partners and those two groups had one on one or or in, in uh, group coaching after so they were they were in pairs so different team leads were in pairs but then the rest of the team you know what what was interesting is the feedback was actually like cool we just did these 4 days now what like what are we what is actually going to happen like is anything going to change and you know, I took that pretty seriously when I was getting the feedback, and then the other partners hearing similar things. They were like, "What can we really do? Keep this going?" So we actually we had the coaching continue, but we started doing. I run our monthly team meetings, and I was like, "You know what? Like, let's try to create that awkward energy that happens when we talk about personal growth and vulnerability, like as an entire team in every monthly team meeting." And that's actually still happening, and. You know, it was like crickets in the beginning. It was hard to get people involved, but it was like, how do we bring it back to these concepts? And now we've kind of taken that, you know, it's taken on a life of itself and it's changing in other ways. But I think for us, it was like, 
how do we keep these concepts top of mind so that we can live live in them? But I think the most powerful thing for me, and I actually, I have a newsletter and that after that first week, I wrote all about this because I was like, wow, like something clicked, which is this idea of a shared vocabulary. And I think when you, you know, I was thinking about this this morning again, because I think when you meet somebody who doesn't speak your language, you're so focused on saying the right thing, trying to get it right, trying to understand them, that there's this loss of just a, a connection and, and being yourself. And I think when we left Novus, we had these concepts, you know, we had agreements versus expectations, we had shitty first draft, we had all these ideas that took people were now speaking the same language that they could then say, hey, the way that this occurs to me, it's X without having to struggle with how do I tell this person that I don't really agree with what they're saying. And so I think what's been cool is that stuff still lives on. And I'm hearing recent hires saying things like shitty first draft. I have no <laughs> idea that Novus exists. And I'm like, wow, cool. Like these things are now embedded. And yeah. if I think language, I think, you know, language is so, so powerful. And I think if you can actually start to change the language in a culture, then you start, these concepts start to live on in ways that you didn't even realize. So to me, that was like one of the biggest things. And, and we've tried our best to kind of keep that, that going. So this isn't really answering insights to action, but I do think it has a lot to do with this hey, we had this idea, we talked about these things, like what do we do to make it part of what we, we do every day? Well, and one of the things that I think you highlighted that I think is a, a step people don't realize is so important. Or, and this comes, I, I'm assuming you've read the book, The Three Laws of Performance, Lucas? Yeah, right after Everyone Culture. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah exactly. Right? So, and so if you haven't read that book, go get it. It's really a foundational, I, I talk about it being like kind of the 101 textbook very yep. easy read, but that really dives into what you just said. But one of the key ingredients to moving from insight into action is through language and the shifting of language. Because if you start talking in a new way or a different way about your life and about your objectives, it shifts the way you behave. And it sounds what I love, what I love about what you just said is, is you were, it sounds like you were given a, a collected amount of tools that came in the form of language and that language has stayed. So I, I want to shift gears a little bit uh, just for a minute. Because you guys get a lot of access and you see inside startups, you see inside other organizations that are struggling to figure out who they are and, and, and create results. And I'm curious, like both from a leadership perspective, but also from someone who's getting a view within your own company, but across the board with clients, like where do you see organizations currently getting in their own way? What are the habits or the, the predictable patterns that you're seeing in companies as you go into them? Because I think that would be an interesting conversation for people to, to hear from somebody like yourself. Yeah, I mean, if we could all just elegantly say what we're thinking, I think we'd all be in a, in a much better place. I really think communication is one of the biggest challenges. You have, you have directors of marketing who have CEOs who you realize that when they're asking us for something, you know, and they're freaking out, it's actually, and, it, and we're like, oh my God, yesterday they were so happy. It's not them, it's the CEO who came in and talked to them and is now applying pressure. And I think all of these concepts, three laws of performance, everyone culture, and you know, I'm reading Seven Habits right now, just finishing up with uh, Stephen Covey, like all of these concepts, right? Like if we could all, it's hard, but if we all live those and just, you know, helped understand other people and just be human. I'm simplifying, you know, somewhat purposely. If we could be human and just understand like, hey, Chris has pressure from this person. Let me just try to understand Chris's position. 
because it's probably something I don't understand. And then the minute that you do, everything feels a lot better. So I think, you know, communication is, is one of those things where, um, you know, we, we struggle with it too. It's like, right now, you know, we're having a lot of conversations around scope management, for instance. And, you know, we, we're, some folks in the team, it's like, there's thing, it feels like there's finger pointing. Um, if I use Novus, it occurs to me that there's finger pointing at the client, right? And, and it feels like, hey, client is, you know, trying to, you know, increase scope, they want all these things. And when you actually go back to that conversation, the client is asking a question about the work, and we're assuming a lot of things. And then we are trying to figure out how to make it happen. And no one stopped to say, hey, where is this coming from? Why are you asking this question? Like, is that helpful for the business? Like, here's how we might approach it. Um, really understand the position before we kind of act on it. And I guess that's kind of this insight versus action thing. So to me, you know, the, the biggest thing is really how do we help clients communicate with each other and make sure they're on the same page as much as possible. And a lot of the work that we're doing is saying, hey, like, is how are these people going to be involved in this project? You know, who, who has got the final word? Here are the tools you can use on our side to kind of consolidate feedback and things like that. But I think where you know things start to get tripped up is when we're not actually just saying, hey, look, happy to help you with this. It's not something we do often. So we're going to need to do some research, but is that okay with you? Right. And then we we try to get it done or the client tries to get it done and it blows up and it's like, wow, we weren't prepared for this. We probably should have just told them from the beginning. Well, and, and you're pointing out something. You're, there's this gold in what you said in like three different levels. So I, I one of the things that just jumped out to me, Lucas, and what you said was, when people aren't like when the candor is low, it's almost like, and maybe you've seen this where we turn on our clients, we start blaming the client. And the moment we turn on our client, uh, there's a phrase we use at the moment, you moment a leader turns on their followers, they've abdicated their right to lead. That's something that our CEO Jason says a lot. And it, it was ringing in my head as you were talking. It's like the moment you turn on your client. You're probably they're not your client anymore. They're your adversary. Right. And that, right. That's probably not going to work. Right. right. So does that does that make sense? That's kind of yeah. I, I think it's uh it's like how, we're one team here, and I'm always reminding folks as much as I can. Like you know, we all everybody wants the same thing here, and so how do we operate under that assumption? And I think I often talk about many years working at Wegmans when I was a kid because I kind of worked my way what, into what the, is Wegmans? Sorry, it's a grocery store. Oh, Forget right. yeah, it's a grocery store. It's the first job, like real job. And when I left, I was like a coordinator on the front end with Red, with uh, working in the cashier. And I constantly go back. It's funny because I never thought this would be important to my life. But I constantly go back to this idea that the customer is always right. Because that was a big part of how we handle customer service, you know, help them out, right? And so I think what's interesting, what you're saying is actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. If we operate just saying like, even when the client is upset about something or someone, they're not wrong. Right. They're actually right. And they have every reason to believe what they believe. So now let me understand like what's in my power to turn things around. Where did I might have, where have I might have gone wrong? You know, what is really happening here instead of just, Hey, like, you know, I don't agree with you. So, or I don't think that happened. Or you're trying to explain all the things that you think you told them, you know, and, and then we see this happen also on the client side with us, right? We don't necessarily get to be part of those conversations. So for us, I'm like, you know, how can we just put it all out there and work through it? Because ultimately, like, you're just betting, 
at the end of the day if things are going to go well otherwise. I want to hear Chris's thoughts on what you just said. There's one thing that jumped out to me and it's like almost like a hack or a, I, <laughs> it's a hot tip. I think I brought that up before. And it's this, this idea of if you assume the person you're talking to is right, you might be a little more curious about what they're saying if you disagree with it. And not that they are right. Sometimes a customer might be wrong. Well, what does right even mean? Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Who, who knows? Like, <laughs> like, it's like you could turn on the curiosity. Now, I was yeah. having a conversation with a client and I could tell he was committed to being right in the conversation. Like he was like, I'm right. And the moment you decide you're right and the other person's wrong, you're not interested anymore. Like the, the interest just plummets. Like you're trying, you're trying to defend your position, right? Exactly, and it's right? Like, so cool. So are they. So and so and, and what I hear you saying is like, oh, I, like what if we assume they're right? Is it is almost a hack to get back to curiosity and try to understand the perspective? Chris, you have thoughts. Go. <laughs> so well, I have thoughts from from a lot of sides because you know I moonlight as a business owner in similar. <laughs> like, I just in picture a you. Life. My favorite part of working with Chris as a coach. Let's talk about just the business for a second. Yeah, like, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's like an important note that I don't think most clients or people looking at the coaching industry understand is when you hire like a solopreneur or some, and nothing, nothing against guys who are working on their own, but it's a little different when you hire a coaching company that's a, that's a company, that is a business, and then has people who run businesses and own businesses. And Chris is a great example of that, owns a production company. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, well, I think the... To speak to all of that, I, I couldn't agree more that and it's really anchoring back to what you said, Lucas, which is the it's like how do companies get in their own way? It's communication. And communication is it's almost a throwaway in some places and some we're like, oh, we want to increase communication. Well, what does that mean? Where and how? And if we slow things down, really, what does that mean? Because there's communication when in this example, a CEO comes in and puts pressure on. Well, are they actually putting pressure on or are they just curious? And or is it being received by the team as pressure? And therefore, that team member is now putting pressure on whoever <laughs> is moving that pressure from their experience to your experience or to the to the um, contracting company or whatever. And it really is true, like internally, how fast you can get things done with communication and understanding and pushback is maybe some some ways that we say that, but like, just asking clarifying questions is really probably what I'd say there. Go ahead, Dan. One, one thing that just came up for me is like, I think, I think we hear that the, the comment, I think most people listening will be like, yeah, okay, communication. I've heard that a billion times. Yeah, right. Like we got to increase yeah, exactly. communication. One of the things that kind of jarred me on this when it was, I heard, I can't remember where I read this, but basically it was like, it was talking about um, relationships and, you know, married couples who sit at a table and aren't talking at all and people, and, and there's tension. And the, the comment was, they're communicating perfectly. Neither of them want to speak. They know if they speak, a certain conflict's going to come up. And so their communication, it's not that they have a communication problem. It's what are they communicating and what are they not willing to engage in? What conversations are they not willing to engage in? And so when we say, and I know Chris, you're saying this at a, at a deeper level. When, when he says... Yes, I'm saying it. I said it so much better than you, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But when, when we talk about communication and Lucas, I want to hear your thoughts too, because I think what you're saying is, hey, in systems, in teams, with clients, with our own team, there are certain conversations that people are talking and there's certain people, uh, certain conversations that we're not talking about and there's communication going there too. 
It's like, don't have that conversation. We don't address that. You know, it's funny as you asked me what's wrong, not whether it was hard or easy or what. I mean, this is incredibly difficult. So I'll just say like what we're talking about is hard work because you have to remember that. And we talk about this a lot with, um, you know, I distinctly remember something at our at our company and then something I've experienced personally, which is meeting happens. Someone, you know, let's say that someone in leadership walks by somebody's desk and says, ah, oh, like it's a shame. I don't like it. Yeah, it's a shame that didn't go as well as we hoped. Like, we'll get them next time, whatever, right? That person's life is just like blown up because they're like, wow, the CEO or whoever it was has just told me that I really screwed up. That's how they received it, right? And so like, again, that's communication mm-hmm. to that that leader. They're like, no, I was just, you know, thought like, we'll do better next time. I was trying to inspire well, them. Or right? encourage them, right? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, right? And so one thing, it's funny that she's now a design director on my team, but... uh She's been here for some time, but she's seen my role change and her own role change. And she'd always remind me of, hey, like when you have to understand, like when you say these certain things, like people take it as gospel, like that, like they're running with it. And so again, that like that's communication. So I think really what we're we're talking about here is like acknowledging the pressures of everyone's role and trying to understand their position more than maybe it's not about communication, it's about being curious. I think. Not to be, we're talking about books and all this stuff, but I actually had to pull it up because I'm like, it's a great quote. The Joy of Selling, I just read, the partners just read together. And there's a great quote, every feeling anyone has ever felt has been the right feeling at that time for that person. And I think that's like exactly what we're talking about because it's like, hey, I might have told them all these other things. I might have said, I might have been trying to inspire them and now they're really upset. It's not about whether or not I said it, right? It's about, what happened? Like, let me, let's talk about, yeah. Why do you feel this way? Like I want to, and then, you know, try to make them feel comfortable about saying, Hey, you know, I was dealing with a lot of pressure and at my last job, you know, I got reamed out because of this thing. Like that's how I felt, you know, this all came back and you're like, okay, now I understand this person. Let's work together to make sure that we are really communicating in the future. And if you could do that with, you know, all the relationships that exist on a team, I think you're in a pretty good place, but frankly, two best friends, a married couple, they don't even do it. So we're all kind of, you know, we, we have to, we have to be willing to kind of live in that vulnerability and be willing to take kind of whatever hard decisions come out of that. Because the conversation we're talking about right now could mean that that job is not the right job for this person. Yeah. And now you got to face this decision that like, okay, maybe I should be looking for a different job. Like that's tough stuff that I think people are afraid of. If you want to make the most of your life, you've got to learn how to manage your energy. And if you want to manage your energy, you have to know what motivates you. That's why Novus Global created a free assessment to help people around the world discover what's motivating them and how to maximize that to accomplish everything they want in life. Novus Global's motivation assessment helps you understand the five different motivators everyone experiences and which of those five are most powerfully affecting you in your life and leadership. This free assessment includes your results and an ebook describing the five motivators and how to make the most of your personalized results. To take the assessment, go to novus.com global forward slash assessment. That's Novus, N-O-V-U-S dot global forward slash assessment. It's time you finally created a life that is deeply satisfying and energizing. So go to novus.global forward slash assessment to take our free motivation assessment today. Something you just said like really resonated with me and this idea of, I don't think people are necessarily all that interested in the impact of their communication or what they say. They're more interested in their intention. Like it's like, oh, this is what I meant. This is what, you know, as opposed to like, what, well, how did that actually impact? Do my, I love what you said too, as a leader, 
your words weigh more at, at some level. Like people hear them in a way you don't even probably notice. Right. But if you're interested in the impact, you can start to cultivate that or create a, a particular, that's a powerful insight. Now the question is, is what are you going to do about it today? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if you're a leader listening to this, right? Yeah. It's like, go you know, find for, out. <laughs> for me, it's been um, one thing I've tried to do and Novus helped me feel even more comfortable with was, you know, I'd probably say somewhere somewhere along the line in my time at Barrel, when I started to be kind of dealing with clients on the as a representation of the company, which changed, right? I was I was a design I was a freelance designer and then just designing and then suddenly, you know, you're a partner and clients are like, cool, like you're you're helping run this company. So now you're part of this conversation, right? Whether they not or not, they know really what's happening behind the scenes. So in those moments, I found that the the easiest thing to do was to just be upfront about what's going on, right? And hey, I understand that you don't think we've done a good job. Let's talk about why. Let me just listen to you. And then let me explain that, yeah, we weren't prepared for this and we said we were, but we really screwed up. You know, I apologize. What can we do now? Clients are, are like, you know, whoa. Uh, like, we, okay. <laughs> well, that's not normal. You know, what yeah, is this? Yeah. So I think what, what when this? you can see <laughs> that... So what, what I'm getting to is, is with team members, I think the more that you can say, come to a meeting and say, hey, you know, this morning my sink was leaking. This happened. I'm pretty stressed out. I wanted to be more prepared, but I'm not. We're going to do this together. Like, let's try to make the best of it. People are like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, sounds good. Versus you trying to, you know, under that pressure, show up and be, you know, be the best. And then people are like, what the heck was that meeting? Right? Like, you've changed the entire dynamic of what's about to happen. And so for me, I've just, you know, learned to, I used to keep a lot of things, not private, but there's certain things I wouldn't share. And I've, mm. I thought a lot about whether or not I would share them. And now I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to put it all out there. Like there's no, there's no reason why I shouldn't share this because ultimately now we're on the same page about where I stand. So I think, you know, in this, what's interesting is the more that you are curious about where other people stand, you also have to be open to sharing where you stand. And I think that often invites people to come in and say, oh, cool. Like you're telling me what just happened in your life. Like, well, this is what's going on over here. So you might not be prepared. And I'm also like, why are we having this meeting? Because I got a million other things to do, right? So now we we can actually be really productive. You're also talking about one thing that, and I have like a unique picture into into your world a little bit, but what we're talking about is, a, a culture of ownership and there's that's multifaceted so when somebody comes in and, and let's just say if we have a, a company that doesn't take ownership for their own experience their own responsibility their own personal responsibility all of these things and they come in and what we have a lot of times is people who will just be like well this is where i am right now and with the subtext of you adjust to me <laughs> and which which ends up having a, a pretty significant impact on the rest of the team if everybody's coming in with their like i'm positioned here i'm having a bad day therefore you transform you change to me like you and what is different about you guys i think and this is what we talk about in the coaching work a lot of times is you're able to come in and own fully express where you are and nobody and you know that that everybody expects you because of the language that we use in in ownership and the things like that that they go okay that's what's happening for you so we know what's happening. We know where you're coming from. Also, whatever's happening over there, we can partner with rather than have to take on as our responsibility. 
And, and there's a, a bit of a, I don't typically love the word safety, but there's a bit of a safety <laughs> to it where you know you can say something fully because you also have full ownership over that experience that you're having. And if you want to change it, you're, you're growing in that. And even just the communication of, hey, this is where I'm at today. And for whatever reasons, uh, they're not a, this is just current reality. So there's communication even in that is really helpful. So it, when somebody else comes in and says, this is what's happening for me today, you don't necessarily need to receive it as, oh, I guess we need to walk on eggshells or we can't do that. Like all of these things that are sometimes go with that subtext in a culture of ownership, everybody can share their experience and own their experience for themselves without putting it on somebody else uh, in a way that has a negative or adverse effect. That makes any no for sure and i think um what anyone in a manager or leadership position i mean it's everyone but i think even down to the you know the senior role overseeing the intern is if you expect that you need to to live in that in that world as well and we struggle with this because i'd like to think that we do but when you know you have to have a tough conversation with the team and you are expected to lead them you also, if you don't have the answers, it isn't easy to say we don't have the answers right now because you're worried what that's going to signal to the team. However, the reality is when you get honest with yourself, when I wake up and write in my journal, the things I'm thinking are, well, if this is the truth, then why say anything else, right? Like if we don't have the answers and we pretend to, then where's that going to lead us anyway, right? So then it's kind of like, and that's where coaching, you know, to bring this all full circle, I guess, is that's where coaching is helpful to get that kind of gut check and say, hey, like, it sounds like you're worried that you don't have a plan and you're trying to come up with one. And so, you know, why are you telling the team that? And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe <laughs> may, you're right. You're like, you're right. Let, let's talk about like how I could get there, you know, and, and still bring the team with me and, and unite us around this idea versus also just leaving them hanging. And so that's where, you know, I think that third party kind of look at, at the way that you're visualizing the world is helpful to kind of help us live into what we're trying to create within the team. Yeah. Well, this is, it's a, this was a very recent conversation with you and I. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what I remember. And we, we were talking about the difference be, and I can, hopefully I can share this <laughs> is that we're talking through the, the, the frustration. You weren't trying to polish anything or put it out that they were, you were just putting the pieces together of how to communicate. And I said, and we made a distinction. I remember this is, this comes from John Roberts, who's another coach in the firm who is just brilliant. And I love this. And, and I had read this and then I owned it for myself. And you probably thought I was brilliant. How are we seeing people? There's a, uh, there's a difference between confidence. Cause you were like, we want confidence yeah, in the instill team. Instill confidence. Team yeah. Confidence. Yeah, we want to instill confidence. We want the team to have confidence. We want them to be confident in us. We want to be confident. I said, hey, we're, we're talking a lot about confidence. And the truth is, there's new territory ahead. And we made a distinction between confidence and courage. And where there's confidence comes from something that you've done before a thousand times that you know you can step into. There's like, and, and I said, you guys are taking new ground and new territory and new circumstances. You're not going to have confidence. <laughs> and so we had a conversation about courage, which I think was impactful. I'm maybe making that up, but I think it was impactful for you to be able to, to go back to your team and, and go like, Hey, I'm going to invite you into courage with us to take next steps because you have clear vision. 
And I think that went well. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. I don't think we've ever caught up on it, but... So we'll do it now. Great. It didn't work. It was horrible. What's, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. what's funny is right before this meeting, this morning, I had a call with uh, someone on our team and I used the line, confidence comes from knowing. So now I'm taking uh, credit for this concept as well. Yes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting is I always think about you can say one thing. I could say something to both of you. And this is what's going to happen with this podcast, right? We're going to talk about this. But the, all the other people that listen to it, they're going to leave with a very different impression. All of them will leave with some other impression that we mm-hmm. can't control. And so I think, yes, we felt great about this conversation with the team. I will say, and I think we handled it the way that the best way that we knew how in that moment with your guidance, Chris, and I know Pierre talking to his coach and Janet. But ultimately, there's still questions. And so now what I think is really powerful of anything is that they've made their way to me, you know, in in terms of my realm of folks that I'm talking to. And people are actually asking me about, hey, this is how I perceived the conversation we had. These are the things that are going through my mind. Like, can we talk about this? So, you know, I think it, it landed in the sense that like people understand where things are coming from, you know, what's happening. But, you know, the main thing for me is like, how do we create an environment where people who are not sure they fully understand or are worried or whatever those feelings are that we're able to to have those candid conversations as follow-ups. And I often think it's the one-on-ones that are going to be the most powerful because of what I just said, right? If this, if we could have this podcast with every single listener, Mm -hmm. then maybe you can have the same message, you know, across the board. But when it's everyone with their own baggage of of their life and their experiences, like they're all going to look, we all have it. Um, and they're all going to look at things a bit differently. Yeah. I have a question that has nothing to do with that, but I want to <laughs> talk about it. And I don't know how much time. Go <laughs> for it, man. It. Yeah. So and Lucas, you and I, you and I chatted yesterday and, and I, and I said, we were talking about things that are relatable and we were talking about what it was like, what's it like to go from doer to leader, to leader of leaders. Mm. And I think so many people, especially in in my other company and like our world, it's like, you're really good at your job. Congratulations, you're being rewarded with more responsibility, which we love and we want. Now, congratulations, you're, re- you're rewarded with the responsibility of others. And then I want to hear a little bit from you about the progression of going from... Yeah, let's start, roll the clock back 60 minutes. Let's roll it back <laughs> yeah. and begin again. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I want to touch on like a very pivotal moment in my life that I've looked back on so many times. We're going to go back to Wegmans. Now everyone knows what it is. Yes. (laughs) I was in this role overseeing essentially the scheduling for the front end of the store and making sure everyone had what they needed during my shift. So, you know, Chris comes and he forgot to, uh, you know, get the number for the produce that he got. And now they call me over to help out with this, or there's a coupon that's not working, all this kind of stuff. I'm there waiting for everyone to come in, you know, their shift. And my favorite substitute teacher walks in the door to get on the register. And now I am saying, hey, this is what registered he'd be. I had no idea he was working. Like, it was, I was like, what is going <laughs> through my mind? Like, what is happening? And I think... Now who's the boss? Yeah, like, <laughs> what I was. when we talk about courage, when we talk about courage, right, it, it's... I think for me, it was like, I can either succumb to this idea of this relationship we have and just be kind of afraid to interact. But ultimately, like, 
you know, he was retired. He, he's like, cool, like, this is what I'm doing. And, and he's happy. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I need to just live into what I do and not worry about it. And I think for me, this entire journey has been a lot of the, of coaching others on this idea because I've helped others oversee their colleagues. So switching, someone gets promoted and now they are, you know, need to manage or oversee someone that was previously an equal, you know, from a title perspective. Um, but then me personally, I think it, it was really about just, hey, I'm here to do a good job. And, you know, I'm here to add value. And as if that's being recognized or that fits culturally in a certain way, then just roll with it. And, you know, like if you just live into that reality, I think things get a lot better. It's when we let ourselves say, oh, like this person's going to judge me now. Like they're, they're worried about this and why are, why am I in this role? And they're not. And you know, like it, it's not up to them and it's not up to you. If this is what happened, like just run with it. And I think when you do that, at least what I've found is you, you generally, people are inspired by just that reality, like just, Hey, this person is showing up for me. They're here. They're actually here to help me now. And so, you know, let me get that guidance and help from them. So that's the kind of bridge version of that. But for me, that's been um, been been helpful. And I think you just have to really want it ultimately too. Like managing people is really hard and really tough. And you know, if you're not into it, I would highly not recommend it because it takes a lot of work. It's there's a lot of emotions. And so I think if you are not, you have to be real about if you're moving into those those positions. You have to be real about your accountability and and the desire to do it. I mean, like I said earlier, I think for me, teaching in college, in that TA role, I had wanted to become an art teacher, and then I quickly realized I want to do graphic design. So what can I follow there? And then I did this TA thing, and I found that I really enjoy just helping others and and coaching and and teaching. And so for me. I kind of put that on the back burner. And when that became a reality at Barrel, I was like, okay, this is what I actually really enjoy. And you know, how can I kind of take what I know and follow that path? And so for me, it was, hey, I really want this, being real about that and kind of just living into all of the, the pressure and the... Uh, but there's a lot of joy, right? I mean, you see people move on, you, which is always hard, but then you realize like they got where they got you know, if they're with you for quite a while because of those interactions and you're like, wow, this is really cool. This is really uh, meaningful. I met my wife as a TA, so that was cool. You were eager to help her. You're yeah. like, I'll help you. But anyway, so that's... Uh, <laughs> no, he, he wasn't. I got the real stories yeah. last weekend. He, he played hard to get. Oh, really? <laughs> Look at no, this. That's podcast keep number it, three. Keep it professional. That was the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait until the semester's over to engage. So that yeah, was well, the, uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> but anyway, so that yeah, I think that's the transition, and that it is weird, it is different, especially within the same company. But you got to just live into it, and I think you know, act as if in many ways, and then you you kind of see that reality become reality. That's amazing, man. That's, uh, can I ask one last question? This might be a short answer or a long answer. What has what did powerlifting teach you about leadership? Yeah, podcast number four. I will say like, there's a few things like this interaction with the substitute teacher. There's a few things I look back on and I, I think like fundamentally changed my outlook on whatever topic. And I do think I'll keep it short. When I started powerlifting, it was because I had kind of lost touch with being like going to the gym. I was never an athletic kid. I always saw myself as like the art kid. Like I can't do sports, you know, I don't want to do sports. 
so there was a realization at some point that like, oh, well, I should still be athletic. That's like, people should be moving. And so I'd kind of tried to teach myself how to work out. I had some friends. And so at one point I just was like, I need to, I had lost touch with it at Barrel. And uh, someone mentioned CrossFit. And I was like, oh, that's a good challenge. I'll try it. That led me to powerlifting. Get to the point of this story. The point of this story is that there was a dedication suddenly about getting out of the office to get to class, which was my powerlifting classes. Fundamentally, that that single thing alone and being dedicated to being there changed the entire way I looked at my job because I was like, I can't work late. I can't do these. Like, it's just, there's a non-negotiable and now I need to organize my life to make this thing possible. And then I think through that experience, so being dedicated to that, through that experience, um, I ended up, you know, they were like, my first, I was in there like three months, we're going to be competing, you should do it. And I'm like, no way. And then I was like, oh, okay. I was getting married at the time. I was releasing new music. I was like, I'm so stressed, but like, whatever, let's try it. For me, being that like music and art kid competing in a powerlifting competition was like the furthest thing from what I ever thought would be possible. And now that I've moved home and I'm seeing a lot of people I haven't seen in a while, they're like, what the heck is like, by the way, what is going on? Um, Because they do not expect that. But I think really understanding what we're all capable of was kind of the biggest insight. And I was like, oh, like I have no, we talk about like limiting beliefs. And I realized like in every aspect of my life, if I want to do something and I actually show up to do it, like it's possible. And I think we all kind of carry this, you know, and like with music, I, I for a while I wanted that to be the thing. But then I got real about, hey, like if that's not what I'm actually focused on doing, then it won't become true. And that's okay, because I'm not dedicated to it. And so yeah, I mean, I'm competing in a strongman competition in July. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just go for it. But it's been a lot of fun to just push the physical boundaries and see what's possible. Um, and then if you kind of relate that to you know relationships or your job or these other things, I found a lot of really good parallels um, that have been helpful for me to just think about like, you know, the writing you talked about on my website, I said, I want to write more. So I'm going to write every single day. And so I did. And I published like 170 some posts. And then I was like, all right, now this is getting in the way of my life. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to change the way I format it. But for me, it's opened the doors to those types of things that is pretty wild because it's just this kind of it goes back to the idea of ownership and wanting to you have to want to do it and then you know the rest can can hopefully come yeah lucas like there's so much there's so much you said that is just i think really valuable for people listening like the power of setting a goal and and really committing to it and how that can the you make we say it in our work a lot you make the commitment and then the commitment begins to make you and and it's cool to hear how from powerlifting to being a CXO to art to music to design to relationships, um, you seem to be uh, someone who is going after it and willing to grow and get uncomfortable and set goals and then come underneath them and let them make you. So, man, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been so valuable. Chris, always good to see a fellow bald person on, on the podcast. And Lucas, where can people find you on the internet and such things? Yeah, you can... Pretty much see everything that's going on on my website, lucasballacy.com. And then Barrel's website is barrelny.com, which is also linked for mine. So on my website, you'll see everything from the writing that I do, newsletter, music, all that kind of stuff. 
That's awesome, man. It was so good to get to, to know you on the, on the podcast. And thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. We have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into the hands of as many leaders as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really want to go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. We drop new episodes every week. So subscribe and watch us continue to learn to create resources that serve you powerfully. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from hundreds of clients around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. If you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. To start that journey, simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You also might be listening to this and maybe you want to be a coach or maybe you already are a coach and you want to build a six or seven figure practice coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients. Well, that's why we created the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. It is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams. The first step in exploring that is simple. Just go to www.mp.institute. That's www.mp, as in meta performance, .institute. And we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you'd need to create a meta performing coaching practice the way our coaches do at Novus Global. Head on over today. And finally, and for some of you, this will be the most important part. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer and Jeremy Davidson as editor and audio engineer. We love working with these guys. To find out more about how to create a podcast for you and your business, check them out at rainbowcreative.co. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.